Good morning. Welcome to Camarillo Community Church. So good to gather with you together in the name of the Lord today. Um, we got an awesome service plan, but I just want to start off by introducing you to someone who's, a, who's visiting with us. As you know, when you uh, donate to Camarillo Community Church, we support missions in, uh, throughout the world. And one of our missionaries is here. Um, he, his name is James Samuel. Um, he has a wife, Minnie, who's uh, still back in India. He serves in northern India and in Lucknow. Is that right? Yes. Um, where he uh, has a church he runs. They have an incredible ministry there. And the interesting thing or about it is this is not a safe place to be a Christian. There's a lot of persecution. Um, I was just hearing that, you know, they keep getting, uh, they rent a place and they keep getting kicked out because the landlord finds out they're Christian or they get pressure from people because they're renting to Christians. So they've had to move four times recently. You know, so I wanted to bring him up here and introduce him. He's going to, um, after we do this, he's going to rush over and teach in the Sunday school hour that's meeting next door. Um, but he'll be available afterwards if you want to say hi to him on the patio or whatever. Um, but let's pray for him. If you don't mind standing with me, and maybe if you're comfortable extending a hand towards uh, James, and then we'll, we'll pray for him. Lord, thank you for uh, the ministry that you've given James Samuel, Lord. You're sovereign over the universe, and you've just appointed him to be in India and be born in India and come to know you um, because you have an incredible ministry uh, for him, Lord, to reach people for, with the gospel of Jesus Christ that, uh, Lord, would you just bless him with fruit and ministry, that they can see new converts to the faith and baptisms and people uh, growing uh, closer in love and knowledge of you, Lord. Thank you for James and the incredible ministry he has there, Lord, and just pray for our future uh, support with him and how we can be more involved, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
still I mean every word Cause the way I feel And the fear I'm facing Doesn't change who you are Or what you deserve I
Our vision and heart here at Camarillo Community Church is to see the increasing number of people who live in our area to know and follow Jesus Christ. Five years ago, Camarillo Community Church hired myself, my wife, and our children to come be the new lead pastor of our church. Since we've been here, we've done 15 community impact initiatives, 76 people have been baptized, and 113 people have made decisions for Christ. But I wanna let you know something, we don't believe we're done there. We believe God wants to do so much more with our church in this community. Did you know that 71,000 people live in the Camarillo area? Many of those don't go to church. Challenge before us is how do we take our legacy of 60 years of successful gospel ministry, teaching of the word as our history, and how do we pull that forward to the next generation? You may not know this, but most churches have about a 50 to 60 year window and then the church closes. We call that a life cycle of a church. How do we go from one life cycle to another life cycle? How do we bridge the gap from what was so successful here and make it successful again? One of the ways that you can build momentum is to refresh, rebuild, kind of refresh vision on the campus. You may have done this in your own home life as well. You take the kitchen and you redo it. It just refreshes the whole kitchen and makes it feel new. And then you bring new people in and they all enjoy it. I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant where they have reestablished themselves or a new grand opening and people come just because they want to see the new ownership of what's done inside. Those are the kind of things that we're talking about that we believe we can provide ourselves momentum with as we refresh our campus. That's why we've embarked on what we're calling the Welcome Project. And we're so excited uh, for all of us to consider how God might be calling us, challenging us to stretch a little bit more for His kingdom, for His glory. And we believe in doing so, we might get a new influx of people, people who are new to our community, buying these homes, people who are here looking for a fresh start, people who are looking for a place to raise their children in a church home. Church is not a building, it's about building people. And our facilities are just a tool for that greater vision. As our area continues to grow and increasing with people in Camarillo and really the Ventura County area, we would love to see more of those folks come to know Jesus Christ. And that's why we're doing this. I'm so excited how God will stretch my family and how what we can give and sacrifice for so that new people, new family, new children can come to know Jesus Christ. I'm hoping that all of us together, that you'll join us in this process, that as you deliberate and say, God, I'm going to put you in my finances, I'm going to put you in my budget so that we can do something together that we could never do apart and that we can make a dent in the kingdom of God right here in Camarillo. I hope that you'll take this time join us in excitement and prayerful expectation as to what God and how God might use you to this endeavor. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Camarillo Community Church. In case you're new to me and I'm new to you, my name is David Hurtado. I'm the lead pastor here. And whether you're on campus in the room right now, the balcony or outside or even our video venue, if you're online right now, what a wonderful weekend to be a part of things. Really, really a pivotal moment in our church history, kind of like generational in importance as we talk about some things moving forward. And, and we're going to get to all that and all that stuff is really important. But before we get there, I just thought uh, I wanted to show you something that's kind of interesting and weird at the same time. If you came to my house last week, 
If you would have came to my house last week and went to my front door, before you ring the doorbell, this is what you would say. Uh, this would be on uh, our way of saying welcome to our home. And it's kind of got, you know, it's got some artistic flavor to it. It says, hello, you know, like we're a fun household, you know. And, and this is what we have when people come before they, we open the door. This is what we show them about who we are and what we are and whatnot. And, and we really have two that we kind of fluctuate in and out of. This is the other one that we put up. Anybody know what this is all about? Yeah, Santa Claus, Christmas time. If you came to my house, like, let's say the week after Thanksgiving to about, oh, the third or fourth week in January, this is what you would see, all right? You'd see this one outside our house, and then we kind of rotate back and forth between this one and the first one, and that's our way of just saying, hey, welcome to our house. Welcome to the, to the Hurtado family. And I thought to myself, you know, uh, the, this is, you could like season fairy this. How many of you right now will admit that you have like more than five of these things, and you trade them? <laughs> you trade them out during the year, right? And you change, depending on the season uh, that you're kind of commemorating or, or you can change these things out and you can season fairy this thing. And I know so many ladies are into this because my wife had like this season fairy branch come out of the wall and then she spent all these years like needle felting with felt and made her own little, like, little stuffed animals that she could do at different, si different points of the year. Like there's a stuffed animal dedicated to me and she made one of my wife and our kids. And so we can have like the whole Hurtado family on birthday months. You can put the, pers the person's birthday. All, all these things, Christmas, Easter, all these, all these little Neil Felting uh, figurines that she could do. And you could, you could do that with this too. You could like every season, you could change out your doormat, your front doormat to commemorate whatever season you're in. So here's what we're going to do. I went to the store and I just bought a whole bunch of these things uh, that I could find. And, and I thought we'd do this like object illustration. I'm going to hold one up and you're going to tell me what event or holiday it's commemorating. All right. And so I'll hold it up and then you guys say it verbally out loud. Now, here's the thing. Don't leave me hanging. Uh, I told the first hour, you guys don't realize something about me. Like I have power. I have authority. All right. And if you want to go see the game today, Rams versus Niners, then you're going to talk. Or if you want to have lunch, you're going to talk. Because otherwise I'll just sit here until 6 p.m. And you, yes, that's what will happen. So I'm going to hold this up and you're going to tell me what it commemorates. Let's do the first one together. How about this one? What's it? Halloween, right? I really want to eat lunch. Uh, you know, and, and so Holly, I found, you know, I found, Lee, uh, not leave it to me, what's uh, uh, Charlie Brown. And, and, you know, and so you can get that and you can commemorate. Some of you guys can put that up this month. There were some other ones that were really inappropriate for church. And so I didn't buy those. Uh, there, how about this one? Fall, right? Yeah, fall, right? So you welcome to the fall. You can decide, the, you know, when it's out of summer, you're excited about seeing leaves falling. You can, you can put that up and, and welcome people. Here's, here's my favorite. How about this one? What is this? Yeah, if you put this one up like, you know, when you're having your Super Bowl party and, you know, uh, you know, which will be very sad for many of you guys this year. Uh, did I just say that? Anyway, um, and then how about this one's coming up? Yeah, Thanksgiving, right? And so, you know, you can put this one out during this season, right? And, and, uh, and you can just season ferry your doormats and every month you can change them out so that people feel welcome coming to your house, right? Can, can I just be honest for a second? This is going to come across, it's a little embarrassing, but maybe some of you guys were like that with me. But um, if you came to my house in June of 2022, do you know what you would have saw? Like this was still outside my house on June of 2022. Like, I'm thinking, so how did that happen? Like, how did this stay? Finally in June, I'm like, I'm switching it out for the hello one. You know, six months after Christmas, this is still out in front of my house. I'm thinking, how in the world did that happen? How did I leave that 
And, and I know what you're thinking. First thing I thought, well, obviously it's laziness. Like you didn't, you didn't clean up Christmas. But it doesn't make sense because there was all this like, you know, there was lights outside the house that got cleaned up. Meredith has these figurines, like a llama that moves on the, on, on the grass. So that got cleaned up. And the tree goes in circles because there's this mechanism that spins the tree around. And we had to put the tree away because we got one of those, you know, fake ones that we're hoping in 25 years will actually pay for itself. You know, all these things got put away. You know, the, 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 the snowy village, everything's put away except for that. So it doesn't make sense that it would just be laziness because everything else got put away. So how did that stay out there until June of 2022? Then it hit me this week. I know my brain does crazy things. I have the ADD. Um, but I was like, you know, it hit me. I think I know why. Because like in the olden days, you would drive home from work and you would park your car in the driveway or the carport or even on the street. And you'd close the door and lock your car, and then you'd walk up to this thing called the front door with this thing called a key. And you would stick it into this thing called a doorknob, and you would unlock it, and you would go inside your house. And, and if you function that way with your car, the carport, or in the, in the driveway, or, or on the street, you might go through that front door three to five times a day. There's 365 days a year. You'd go through the front door like a thousand times a year. And I was thinking to myself, I bought this house in Camarillo three years ago, and I think I've been through the front door like 50 to 100 times total. You know why? Because when I get home and I go home from work, I press this little button, and the button opens this garage door, and the two cars fit in the garage, and we go in there, and then we walk to this garage door that goes right into the kitchen. Go right into the kitchen. Now, had this been out in my garage, where I walk by every day, sometimes three times a day, I would have noticed it, and I would have changed it. But the fact of the matter is, I never use my front door. Never use it. Lived in Camarillo for three years. Probably been through that front door 50 to 100 times. See, it wasn't laziness. It's literally, I never use the front door. And as the age-old saying is, and you can finish it with me, out of sight is out of mind. Right? <laughs> You're thinking, like, what in the world does that have to do with anything? I want to share with you right now why this is the perfect way to start off this message for this series in the next four weeks. The perfect way to start off what we're talking about as it relates to the Welcome Project. And that is to say this. If you regularly attend Camarillo Community Church, if you're a regular attender of CamCC, like you know where you sit, you have, an, you have established relationships here. You know where the bathrooms are. You know where to drop off your kids. You know who to ask when you have a question to get answered. Then you are a person that we need a place in the category of someone who never visits the front door. Like you never visit the front door. You never go through the door. You just go through the garage. There's, there's alternate. In fact, many of you don't literally, you don't use the, the lobby. You just go over here and drop your kids off and come into church. I mean, literally, you don't use the front door. Everything to you is normal. You're accustomed to how things are. Nothing seems out of the ordinary. And yet a guest might come and see this in June. With eternity hanging in the balance, it's just a chance that we can't take. And so that's why we unveil to you today something we're calling the Welcome Project. And what I'd like to do today is kind of describe to you what the Welcome Project is and how we believe it's possible. How do we come to this idea of the Welcome Project and what's it going to take for us to be able to accomplish this? 
What is the heart behind what we're doing? And how can we find God's favor in the midst of doing this together? And so in the end, we're going to ask you the next four weeks is, are you willing to dip your toes in the water with us on this one? Are you willing to take a risk with us on this one? Well, let's start with what the Welcome Project is and how is it possible? What is the Welcome Project? How is it possible? Let me first describe our process on how we got here. Because uh, this, this, this is kind of important. Uh, uh, what was our process in coming to this place where we were presenting this to you today? This actually started about three to four years ago. And it started with a conversation with our elders as I sat there and said, man, we have such a rich history. You saw in the video a little bit already. Uh, oh, first building, second building, years and years. Pastor Ralph Rittenhouse, so much history here. Please tell me more about it. Uh, tell me how you built the first building. Tell me how you built the second building. Oh, man, the stories came out of everywhere. Man, uh, we have our kids today, and they were with us hammering nails in that building over there. And there was people who, like, remortgages their homes, and they, and they, and they, they put the monies down for us to build this building. I don't know if you know this, but this building uh, was built about 20-some-odd years ago, and it was built for $3 million. If we try to build that building again today, this building today, it probably costs us somewhere between 10 and $15 million. And not only that, but it's completely paid off. There was a legacy generation before us that built all this and gave us everything that we have so every dollar that comes in can go straight to gospel ministry. And so they were telling me about this, about how we built that building and how we built this building, the sacrifice that went in, how people didn't, you know, what they didn't do, what they sacrificed so they could have all these things. And then I asked the question, I go, tell me about the commitment of the people. Like what happened to them in the process of them, uh, you know, coming forward and saying, I'm willing to commit to this and sacrificing. What happened to them in relationship to their commitment to God and their commitment to our church? And they said, oh man, as we committed and we sacrificed and we gave, church was no longer a spectator sport. No, we were bought in, we were invested. We are no longer consumers, we're investors, participants. We were concerned about how our church is doing. Where is it going? What's the next step? Because we were in it. We're invested in it, not just consuming on a Sunday. They said it no longer was the church that I attended. It was my church. It became our church. I said, yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's why I think we need to do it again. Of course, the elders looking like bewildered, like, what do you mean? That's why I think we need to do it again. We need to take another risk. We need to go for it. We need to allow the next generation to sacrifice for their church so that they can be invested in their church and, and move away from a spectator sport and say, I'm in it. I'm bought in. It's my church. That's why we need to do it again. The elders looked at around each other and said, all right, maybe there's something to this. We doubled down on our commitment to the Lord and to our church when we did these things. Maybe we should allow the next generation to have something of theirs as well that they could double down on and count as their own. They'll double down spiritually in their own personal lives and their commitment to their church. And so the elders said, well, why don't we do this? Since we're talking about the next generation, let's elect a team of people. Uh, we can call them the dream team, and we'll make them, uh, you know, youngers who have young families. And let's say, why don't you dream this up for us? What, 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 if we were to modernize a little bit, you know, kind of do a little facelift, what would we do around here? What would that look like? And so we did. We, we hand-selected this team called the dream team. I'm not going to tell you who they are because if there's something you don't like on the drawings, I don't want you to talk to them. You can talk to, not me, talk to Kenny. <laughs> anyway, so we, we had this dream team. We said, what would you dream up together about what we could do? Now, I came with my own ideas. I thought we should go rustic, we should go industrial, because that's what young people want. 
And the dream team came back and said, well, that might be true, David, but it doesn't fit with our like beautiful archways and this beautiful building. It's just not going to make sense. It's like, like you walk out and you walk in and the, the two aren't congruent together. And so they came back with this idea that we would do like a Santa Barbara mission theme, like a winery theme, like a, a, a Mediterranean kind of a, you know, landscape kind of a theme. And so they came back with this and what they did is they took pictures all over uh, Ventura County of anything they thought that would work with what, we're, what we got going on. We took those pictures and we went to, hired a, an architect and said, what can we do with these pictures in mind? And we're trying to modernize. We're trying to, you know, get, give a little bit of a facelift and uh, just say welcome. We want to be welcoming. We want, want there to be seating areas. We want their community. You know, th- those are the kind of the themes. And they took these pictures to this, uh, um, to this architect and he came up with drawings. Then there was a large back and forth. Lots of months of going, well, we like this, we don't like that. Change the concrete, do this. All this, so everything was kind of uh, um, tooth and combed. Uh, to exactly what we thought the specifications could be. And when we got these, uh, you know, renderings back and went to the elders and showed them, and they were like, wow, this is great. And I'm like, tell me more about that. Oh, well, we had so many dreams of what we would do with the patio when we first built this building, but we ran out of money. And so what we have today is just because we, we ran out of money, we thought we got to get the, the building opened. And so this is wonderful because it stays within the vein of the legacy of our church that already wanted to do so much more with the patio as it is. And so from this back and forth, we got these rendings that I want to show you today. When you leave today, I want you to know that wherever you walk outside the patio, there is an easel with a picture. That picture is stationed there because that's where the item could be. Uh, That's where we're dreaming it would be. So if you go around, you walk around, you look at these pictures, just imagine not only that picture, but right there where it's standing on that easel is where that item could go if God would give us favor in this season. So we'd love for you to um, each week just go by and check out a picture and look at it and see uh, what God would give us if we could dream together. I want to go through uh, these pictures. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through some of the internal interior changes this week. You have to come back next week and we'll talk about the exterior changes as well. But let's first uh, put the first picture up. And this is just our curve appeal. We wanted to say, hey, welcome to our church. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, look at that place. They're doing something. That's all we wanted to do. And again, I'll go in detail next week on what we're doing outside, but this week I'm going to focus on what's going on inside. So we'll go to the next picture, and you'll see this will be our lobby. When you walk straight into our lobby, you'll notice that at the very back there's a screen there, and there's a wall there. The reason we put that there is because we do so much audio and visual inside our building, and if we leave those doors open, the sun comes in and ruins all that. So you ever wonder why those doors are closed right when we start service? It's because we're trying to limit the amount of sun depending on the year. It can be stronger or even hit the screens. And so uh, with that wall there and a screen there allows us to have that kind of uh, sun break. And then we can um, promote anything we're doing. You know, we can promote uh, our, our series that we're doing. We can, whatever we want on that LED screen, we can promote there as you walk into our church. Just kind of says, hey, welcome. Look at this beautiful. You see the beautiful tile on the floor. You see the, the, uh, the um, wrought iron of the stairwell. And the stairwell becomes kind of a focal piece of our, of, of our lobby, whereas before it's kind of hidden in a sense. We'll go to the next one. On the next slide, you'll see, I want you to notice those tiles in the back of those archways. Beautiful. Again, back to that Santa Barbara theme, ties it all in together. And so it looks really nice. The tile on the floor is very Hispanic. Again, Santa Barbara mission style as well. And I want to go a little closer on the next slide. You'll see, uh, you'll see a picture. I want you to notice on that, uh, on the, uh, uh, the left side, that cross. Now that cross is not just something that we're adding in because we're, we're Christ followers. No, that cross is very significant to our church's history. That cross is in our lobby right now. If you've ever 
never noticed it, but there was a family in our church whose parents were silversmiths. And what happened in our church is everybody brought their silver. It was melted down and made in that cross, put into that cross. So that's the people of our church melting down their wealth so we can have a church together. We said, we got to keep that cross. We're going to put it in a prominent place and make sure that it's beautifully standing before us as the legacy of the people in the past saying, we want to be about Jesus and we want that to go in the future. You notice also the stairwell and in between the stairwell and that cross is about 10 feet of additional space. There's some windows there that we don't have there right now. Uh, right where that, uh, or that stairwell begins is where our windows are. We're actually going to gain about 10 feet of space, allowing us to have some benches there for people to sit. I want to show you how that's possible when we go outside real quick. And you'll see those archways are filled in. Right now when you walk to church, those archways are a hallway outside. We're going to fill in those archways. And then you see those beautiful faux wooden doors. They look like they're wooden. They're not wooden. But it kind of marries the outside to the inside with this faux wooden look. Those doors will slide into those archways so you can have a seamless entry from the outside into the inside of our church. You just walk right in. In fact, you won't even know or ever see those doors unless you come on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Because on Sundays, that'll just be open, seamless entry from the outside to the inside. We'll go to the next slide, and we'll see that we're trying to marry this theme. You'll notice its dark wood theme is outside. The pergola is a shade. We're trying to marry that into the, uh, into the building as well. And so those are faux pieces of wood, uh, wood, uh, uh, wood beams. They're not real. But it just ma- kind of, again, marries the two together. How do we get this white look and then have this, this darker wood look married together? And then finally, for today... Uh, We have a little section there by blowing out some walls. We can have some more seating, some more tables. Uh, One of the biggest issues that we saw was our church says, hey, come and go home. You know what I mean? Like, come and just go home. We want to say, come and stay and hang out. And so the way you do that is by having more seating areas. So you're going to see that as you come back next week and we look at the outdoor pictures. How do we even make like little living room areas where, where six to ten people can hang out and sit there with their families and not feel rushed out? Maybe they buy burritos and come back and have lunch here. How do we make it so people don't feel like they need to rush home, but they can stay and hang out for a while? Now, With all that being said on the inside, I will tell you that we've taken these renderings and we've already showed them to the city. The good news is they looked at it and on first glance, they said, well, we still need the architectural renderings, which is what we're working on right now with our architect. But on the surface, these renderings look beautiful and they're exactly in the scope and the frame of where we want to head as a city. So it very well may be that the city would just sign off on this at the city manager. And, uh, you know, at that point, instead of having to do all these town hall meetings and whatnot, and just pray, because if that's true, that helps us tremendously as far as timelines and being able to do things. And so we're hoping that when we, after we have the architectural renderings, the actual building renderings, we take them to the city, that they'll just sign off on it and we can run and we can really get going on this. And so that was our process. Start with the elders, went to a a dream team, went to an architect, have all these renderings back and forth, back to the elders, and now we're here to you, showing you the dream that came to us from the dream team. That was our process, and now I want to talk to us about our plan. Uh, And for that, I want to go to the scriptures. What is the Welcome Project and how is it possible? Well, I want to describe how it's possible by looking at the plan of God in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. So turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. We'll look at verses 7 through 17 together. And I want to talk to you about our plan. It seems to me if it was good enough for God to be his plan in the Old Testament with Joshua, then it might be a good enough plan for us too. And so go to Joshua chapter 3, verses 7 through 17, and uh, we'll talk about our plan together. 
Before I read that, I want to just set this up. And at the beginning of Joshua, Moses has now passed away. And so Israel has lost their biggest, baddest leader they've ever had. Uh, and, and Joshua's taking the mantle from, from Moses. And in Joshua chapter 1, God's like telling him, hey, Joshua, you can do this. I believe in you. You can do this. And the people of God are like, Joshua, you can do this. Well, we believe in you. You can do this. And then in chapter 2, uh, you know, like, Joshua, you're going to take the people into the promised land that God promised Moses. He's not going to get to see it, but you're going to get to take the people there. And, and they send two spies out to Jericho to look at it. And they, the spies come and go, hey, hey, Joshua, you can do this. Like, God's giving you this. this is, we were helped out by Rahab. She hid us for a while. We're going to take care of her family. But I'm telling you, God, God's got this. God's got you. You can do this. And in chapter 3 is where we pick it up on this scene about this kind of taking the mantle from one leader to another, from Moses to Joshua. And here's what's said in verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as far as you, as far as you, command the priest to bear the Ark of the Covenant, and when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the uh, Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. And the only thing missing, ironically, would be like a, a gigabyte and a trigabyte. I'm sorry, I digress. Uh, verse 11. Uh, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over and before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bear the, who bear the ark of the, bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in, a, in one heap. And when the people set out from their tents and passed over to the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped into the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all of its blanks throughout the time of the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in one heap very far away at Adam, the city beside Zarethan. And those flowing down from the sea of Arabath, the salt sea, were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord stood firmly on what? Dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel were passing over on what? Dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. What is the Welcome Project, and how is it possible? We're going to talk about our plan. This is um, such a pivotal passage for me in coming to Camarillo Community Church. You probably don't know this, but, but, I, but I took great encouragement in this passage because here you have Joshua trying to fill the shoes of a great man in Moses. And how in the world can I fill the shoes of Moses? I'm just Joshua. And when I came to Camarillo Community Church, I, I looked at the shoes of Pastor Ralph Rittenhouse, a great evangelist, something that I consider myself weak at, a great leader, 
led the church through transition and two building projects and paid them off before he retired. You're talking about big shoes to fill. You're talking about big shoes to fill. That's, those are some big shoes. I mean, I wear size 13s, but I don't wear size 18. And I don't say that for you to feel sorry for me and be concerned. I'm very secure in God and, 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 and the gifts that he's given me. I'm not saying that, but I'm just trying to be honest with the facts. And here, Joshua's going, how do I hold up like a candle to that guy? I mean, he's Moses, the greatest leader that God's people have ever seen. <laughs> Chapter 1, God's like, you can do this. You can do this, Joshua. And the people are coming to him and saying, hey, Moses is gone. We know. But you can do this, Joshua. We believe in you. Chapter 2, the spies, hey, we checked it out. You can do this. <laughs> and then Chapter 3, God says, I'm going to validate you in a way that everybody will follow you. And it makes sense, right? Like, Moses was the writer of the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Old Testament were written by Moses. He gave us the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, and, and you can see in Exodus as well. He walks up to the mountain, has a conversation with God to where the glory of God is shown so heavily that his face is still radiating the glory of God. It's like a reflection. He walks down the mountain, his face is glowing, and all the people are like, oh my gosh, we're looking at God. Because the, the radiance of God was still on his face. They're like, please, please don't kill us. That's Moses. How in the world was Joshua ever going to live up to that? And then, if that wasn't enough, he was God's leader who came to rescue God's people against the known ruler of the world in Pharaoh. Literally, God parts the seas. All of Israel walks on dry land. People think the, the sea's parting was the miracle. It might be a bigger miracle that they were walking on dry land. Can you imagine the seas parting and not being slush and mud? Parts the seas. They walk on dry land, get away from Pharaoh, and when the Pharaoh's armies go in the water, he collapses the seas on top of them, and Moses was the leader that led to the demise of the ruler of the world. And Joshua's going, I gotta, I gotta follow that. Like, how do I do that? Do you think there wasn't some kind of appropriate intimidation in that? Of course there was. That's why chapter one, God's like, you can do this. And the people were like, you can do this. We believe in you. And the spies were like, you can do this. And then God in chapter three says, I'm gonna validate you. Basically says to Joshua, it wasn't Moses who was doing anything, Joshua. It was me working through him. And I will work through you too. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go gather up the leaders. Get the priests. They're going to carry the Ark of Covenant. And you go gather up the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. You get one from every tribe. I want one man from every tribe. So representing the whole 12 tribes of Israel and the leaders, the priests who are together going to walk up to the edge of the water. You get them to walk up to the edge of the water and you get them to dip their toes in the water. And if you can get them to do that, I'll take care of the rest. God proceeds to separate the waters just like he did for Moses. They walk across on dry land again just like he did for Moses. And of course, everyone present watching that goes, oh, we've seen this before. The same God who was with Moses is now with Joshua. And he validated Joshua's leadership right there amongst the people. What was the plan? Ask your leaders to step out in faith. And if you can get them to step out in faith, watch God do a miracle. 
Just ask the leaders to go and tip, dip their toes in the water. And if you can get them to do that, I'll separate them for you. We'll watch God do a miracle. That was the plan. Ask the leaders to step out in faith and then watch God do a miracle. Many of you were invited and came to a vision meeting in the last couple months. Uh, we had several of these vision meetings, and we invited you to become what we're calling the leaders of our church. You have shown a devotion to our church in a special way. And so we invited you, would you be willing to kind of see these videos in advance, see these renderings in advance, and start your consideration process in advance, and think to yourself, what might God be calling me to do, my family to do for this cause? And then we said, would you be willing to let us know what that is on or before October 30th, which is today? And many of you did that already and have already given your commitment forward. And some of you guys came ready today to tell us what your commitment would be towards this welcome project. And the whole reason we asked you to do that is we thought it would be a huge encouragement to the rest of the church when we come back next week and say, Here, here's what our leaders have done. Just our leaders. Here's how far we are in, uh, to, towards our goal just because of our leaders and their commitment. And the idea was that it would be a service, a great encouragement to the church by this is actually doable. And we'll... Do that next week. So come back next week if you want to hear what the leaders of our church have done. Now, I just want you to know that for the rest of this month, when you walk in the building, don't blame the ushers. Blame me. They'll be there with little envelopes shaking, going, have you had your envelope? Did you get it? We mailed it to you. There's one at your seat in the, in the book right now. There's envelopes everywhere. You're going to get sick of envelopes by the end of the four weeks. <laughs> we just want everybody to have an opportunity to be involved. And when you leave all of our gatherings, there'll be a, a, an usher standing at each exit with a box where you could deposit your uh, commitment envelope into that box. And again, uh, it's not them. Uh, if, you, if you're mad at anybody, don't get mad at them. Get mad at Kenny. <laughs> and, you know, but, you know, that's just, again, just trying to make the on-ramp the on really easy for everyone to be involved. You take your commitment envelope and you place it in that box as you leave. What we're asking everybody to do is consider, would you consider what you can do above and beyond your normal gifts for this welcome project? Well, the reason we say above and beyond your normal gifts is because we still have to pay the lights, the gas bill, the water bill, staffing, ministry still have to happen. Uh, taking, uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul is not going to be very helpful for us in this season. We're asking, would you consider how God might be calling you to give above and beyond what you normally already give towards this project. And this is how we're asking you to do it. On the screen, you'll see an envelope. This is, it mirrors the envelope that you get into your, in your welcome uh, uh, booklet, welcome project booklet. If you open this up, you'll see that there's an envelope there. And then in the envelope, you'll see this very image that you're seeing on the screen is on this envelope. What we're asking everybody to do is, would you consider how you could give a one-time gift at the beginning of the project? And then in addition to that, can you consider what you could do on 36 months? Monthly, here's what I'm able to do above and beyond what I already normally give. Here's what I'm able to do for the welcome project. The initial gift allows us for those upfront costs, like paying the architect to build, to get these drawings done so we can submit it to the city, so we can start moving, so we can get uh, bids out on the contract work, all those type of things. We need some upfront monies, and so that helps us a great deal. And then what you could do on a monthly basis for the next 36 months. I will commit, my family will commit to giving this much uh, a month for the next 36 months above and beyond my normal gifts. That's what we're asking everybody to consider. Now, if you open up the, uh, the Welcome Project booklet, you'll notice that the goal is $1.3 million. Now, we've hired consultants on this, and they tell us that that's not that's not that stretching for a church of our size. Uh, there are a lot of churches that do these campaigns or these initiatives, and they try to raise three times their, their, um, their yearly um, um, gifts. Our yearly budget's $1.3 million, so we're just trying to raise one more uh, of a yearly budget in three years' time. 
Uh, and again, most uh, churches will try to raise three times that. So we do feel like this is something that's reachable for us. And I think God will show us in, uh, his favor in the midst of this, that maybe that's true. But the important thing is not to think about the $1.3 million, because that's not the important number. The important is 100. The important number is 100, because we're going to need 100% participation. Participation from everybody, large and small gifts, that we're going to be able to do this together. We just believe that the Welcome Project is going to be uh, give us the, the appropriate uh, ability to leave a lasting first impression in all of our future guests coming to our church. We want everybody to have an opportunity to do it. So if you came ready today uh, to leave an early commitment, great. There's a table out for you on the patio uh, just for you to put your Welcome Project gift in there. If you need to go home and pray about it and talk to your spouse, I totally get that. My wife and I did the same thing. I'm going to share it with that, that story with you in a second. Uh, but go home. You have the next three weeks to consider what God might be calling you to do in the midst of it. But now I want to tell you about my own experience. My own experience with my wife as we consider what we should do in this project. You know, it's interesting. Um, last week, Kenny, myself, and uh, Zach were in my uh, 2005 Toyota Prius. And it's very important that you understand it's a 2005. Yes, we're going somewhere with this. And, uh, and we were in my Prius, and we were, we were going to a pastor's get-together uh, of our tribe, kind of our family of churches converge. There's all kinds of churches in, in, in the L.A. area that were kind of sister churches, brother churches. And, and we get together with the pastors. We just encourage each other. We have five church planners. We encourage them and love on them, buy them lunch, tell them you can do it, you know, type of thing. And so there was about 30 of us meeting in L.A., and so Kenny, myself, and Zach were driving towards L.A. Uh, we're going up the grade— to Newberry Park in my 2005 Toyota Prius. And, uh, you know, we get up the grade, and every time I get to the very top of the grade, I go, thank you, Jesus. I made it over. I'm in Newberry Park, right? And so we're there. We're going. This is great. We're on time. You know, we're looking at traffic. We're going to get there on time. And, and it's not even to Lowe's at, at, at Newberry Park. And my car starts shaking. My 2005 Prius starts shaking. And I'm looking at going, oh, man, Kenny, you see that? You see how it's shaking? The car's shaking. He's like, are you gassing it? I'm going, no, I'm not gassing it. He goes, gas it. See if it does again. I gas it. It's shaking. I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. And so I decided to get off, uh, get off the freeway and, you know, my 2005 Toyota Prius. And, and then I start typing in my, my phone, you know, forget where we're going in L.A. I'm not sure if we're going anymore. I, I need to get to like a, you know, a Firestone. And there's a Firestone 1.5 miles away. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, please, please just let me get to that Firestone. We'll figure out what we do from there. We'll get an Uber. Or we end up calling the guys from Agora Bible Fellowship. They came and picked us up in their church van. And we end up going. And so I get there. Okay, great. Sweet. We're there. Uh, you know, and and, I, and I'm thinking, man, this is, man, what is this? Well, as we're driving there, Zach, Pastor Zach, who used to be like a, you know, like a mechanic tech, he's sitting there going, spouting off in the back seat, going, man, that sounds bad, Dave. Oh, man, that sounds like a tranny. And I'm thinking $3,000. Oh, man, you could have blew a gasket in your engine. Oh, it's $5,000. What if it's your electric battery? Another $5,000. Shut up. Nobody pays you to talk, Zach. <laughs> just sit back there. Why can't you give me the $100 option? What do you got? Everything you discuss is like $5,000, you know? And I was like, Lord Jesus, please don't let it be true. Let that be from the mouth of Satan himself. <laughs> Those three $5,000, you know, things. And, and, and so anyway, so we drop it off. And they said, we'll take care of it. We'll, we'll, we'll call you in a couple of hours. The Agora Bible Fellowship guys pick us up. We go to LA. We're hanging out there. We're doing our thing with all these 30 pastors, having a great time. And then the phone rings. 
And I, and I walk outside and I figure, I go, Lord, please, Jesus, Lord, let that second be wrong. Let it be, let it be Satan's words and his words. You know, and, I'll, and, and I'm sitting there and, and, and they go, oh, Mr. Otato, you have a broken coil. I don't know what that is. I don't know, you know. And, and when you break one coil, you need to fix all of them. I don't know, there could be 5,000 coils in the car. I don't have no clue what that is. And so, and we, you know, we can fix the one coil for 350 bucks or we can fix all of them for 450 bucks. And I'm like, yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> You're like, you guys are like, wait, wait. Why, why would you be celebrating that your car is breaking down? It's a $500 issue. <laughs> I'll tell you why I'd be celebrating. Because I don't have three to $5,000 to fix the car. But I could do 450 bucks. That is a victory for me. Uh, um, you know, and, and, and maybe it would be important to share this. You see, my wife and I sat down early on. I think you'd be, you'd be, um, you would think that it's right for us to lead by example. My wife and I, several weeks ago, even months ago, sat down and we came to a deliberation that we wanted to give the biggest gift that we have ever given to any kind of church or any kind of thing like this. And, uh, and, and so we had an amount in our minds that we decided we were going to give. We wanted to be a part of the early gifts. And then we realized that we could refinance a, a home that we own in Northern California and we can give it all as a lump sum up front. And so we did that and that check went to the church and it's already been cashed. But part of that commitment process was the realization that David Hurtado is going to have to drive a 2005 Toyota Prius a little longer. You see, contrary to what, you know, some of these wretched staff people say on the stage, <laughs> like, I'm not proud that I drive a Toyota, 2005 Toyota Prius. Like, it's not my dream car, shockingly enough. I bought that as my Ramsey car so I could get, buy a house. And it was supposed to be temporary, he said, four years later. And now because we decided to give this lump sum, I'm going to be driving it a little longer. Hopefully not that much longer, but I'm going to be driving it a little longer. And in the midst of giving that money to the Lord, I don't have extra three to $5,000 for it. So when a call comes in for $450, bucks, i am like, yes. And we're taking up a collection for that, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Why do I share that? I share that this morning because there's many people in the room who will make decisions this month in that similar vein. Decisions that might cause you to sacrifice, decisions that might cause you to not have something else you were planning on having. I know of a family already in this church who was gonna do a big investment, decided not to do it right now so they could be a part of this in a significant way. And yet whatever you lose in the process, whatever you sacrifice in the process, there'll be a day where you realize it's the most beautiful loss in the world. Because one day you'll stand before God in heaven and he'll say, thank you for that. Are you kidding me? Thank me? No, thank you. It'll be the most beautiful loss in the world. There's nothing else you can invest in like it. Where the God of the universe will applaud you for it. And in the midst of all that, he'll help us not have this in the month of June. In fact, what we really want to say to every guest that comes to our door is something different. What we really want to say is this. Welcome to our church. Be our guest. We will love you. Our ushers will smile at you. We will live with you in life groups, growth groups. We'll grow together. We'll raise our kids together. We will pray with you. 
this can be your church. We just want it to have a beautiful first impression. I left the big idea today, the very last thing we said, don't ever do it this way, but I just thought I would for this one time. It's on the screen, it says this, you only get one shot to make a first impression. You only get one shot to be able to communicate this. And if you don't think that's true or important, go find a young adult who's not married yet and ask them how important first impressions are. And ask them how much anxiety they deal with just making sure that first impression is just right. You only get one shot at a first impression. We'll be asking you this month, will you help us with ours? I think I know you will. Because you guys have been an amazing church for all five and a half years I've been here. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for these people. I want to thank you for how generous they already have been. There's nothing we put before them that they haven't stepped up to. We need $60,000 for a church plant. Done. We need $30,000 to plant a church in Columbia. Done. We need $40,000 to buy a van for these girls who are unfortunately been objectified on the streets. Done. We need food. Done. We need socks. Done. Blankets. Whatever. Car seats. Now we're asking not for ourselves, but for you, Lord. That's where I get confident in all this. I'm just asking for things that would give you more glory. But if you would help us and give us favor in this time that we could build these things and make people feel more welcome to our church and then more people get saved and more marriages are spared and kids are spared of the trauma of an unrepentant father or mother, irregenerate person, that you could change lives, that you would get more glory. More funds come in the room, that means we plant more churches. More funds come, that means we have more missionaries. More funds come, then we just glorify you more. And so I'm not asking these people, Father, I'm asking you. I've gathered some people who I think are going to dip their toes in the water. But you part the seas. But you part the seas. And we will give you all the glory in the process. It's not my kingdom we're building, it's your kingdom we're building. We want to make the name of Jesus Christ famous. We want more people to be singing the songs we sang together. You're worthy of my song. No matter what the season, you're worthy of my song. That's what we're about. And now I'm just inviting the people that you're already wooing in their heart to dip their toes in the water so that we can watch you do an amazing work. I pray you do it. I know this. You've done it in the history of our church. And I believe you're a God of miracles. So I look forward to see what you're doing here. We thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor David. Hopefully you kept the receipt for these doormats so we can return them later. <laughs> um, hey, you know, I don't, I, we probably don't say it enough, but thank you for your generosity. This really is a generous church. You know, we're going to receive our offering now, and you know how to do that. There's three ways to participate, you know, online, text, or with the offering box in the center of the lobby. But just thank you when, you're give, when you give here. It enables us to keep the lights on. Not only that, to support all of our ministries here and support missions overseas. Uh, if you're here in the very beginning of the service, I introduced James Samuel from India, who's here visiting. He'll be out front after the service if you want to meet him. Um, was one of our missionaries we support. We're able to do that because of your generosity. So thank you so much. Um, and if you're 
this is your first time hearing about the Welcome Project, maybe you're ready to go and fill this out. Maybe you need to take it home and pray about it. And I'd encourage you to do that. There's really not a hard sell here. We're just, our ask of you is that you would pray and ask God what part he would have you play in this project. And then just be faithful what God asks you to do. Um, there will be ushers on your way out. You can put those in there. If you need an envelope, they'll have them for you as well. All right, let me pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your generosity in our lives, Lord. And as we give back to you, would you just multiply it? We want to see your kingdom grow here in Camarillo. This is all about you. We want to uh, bring you glory. We want to have an uh, awesome place where we can gather and worship you, Lord, and where we can bring our friends and see people come to know you and then learn to follow you and love you, Lord. That's our dream for this place, Lord, and we just thank you. Would you just let us make an impact in Camarillo? Would you use these gifts to do that? Uh, we say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our vision and heart here at Camarillo Community Church is to see the increasing number of people who live in our area to know and follow Jesus Christ. The challenge before us is how do we take our legacy of 60 years of successful gospel ministry and how do we pull that forward to the next generation? That's why we've embarked on what we're calling the Welcome Project. I hope that you'll take this time and join us in excitement and prayerful expectation as to what God and how God might use you for this endeavor. We've been married for 12 years. Currently, I serve on the worship team uh, behind the drum kit. Uh, we also lead a growth group together. I've been coming to Camarillo Community Church since uh, 1989. I was serving as the middle school pastor from when I graduated college um, until about five years ago. When we were dating, uh, Joey got to come and, uh, and join on staff with me and uh, disciple kids, and it was a big part of how we just grew in love for the Lord and grew in love for each other. Um, and that was all here at CamCC. We found friends here and community and discipleship and fellowship here for ourselves and also amazing friends and community for our kids in the context of the Bible and the gospel. We know that whether it's in the adult main service or whether it's uh, in the Sunday school classes, we know that the Bible will be held high here at this church. We were mentored early on in our relationship that finances would be a huge thing in our marriage together. So we took a class before we got married all about finances and how to serve the Lord with our finances. I feel like that laid a really good foundation for us early on of communication, of saving, and of tithing and regular giving. So that's been a habit um, that's been in place and pretty natural for us for a long time. We know that the Lord will always provide. We know that, that throughout different seasons of life, we are rewarded when we lean on the Lord for His provision rather than trying to control things ourselves. So when it comes to worshiping the Lord with our giving and worshiping the Lord with uh, just lavishing on Him with this kind of project, um, it's, it's certainly exciting to see um, that obedience just held high. I'm excited for the Welcome Project because I want my kids to grow up in a church and in a community that feels like home for them. And we really want our kids to grow up in a thriving 
local church that's excited about what they're doing and excited about the Lord. So um, we've already had conversations with our kids about what this is about and about things that we're going to do. Our kids are already talking about extra chores that they can do around the house to earn dollars to take to Sunday school to be part of the Welcome Project. I think people from our community can come and, and see what we did and if that's what gives them the impetus to come just try to maybe that be the one thing that says okay maybe I'll go try that one and 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 go see what this is all about I, I mean we look at all these drawings and we see just the different pockets of space these benches these outdoor shady areas and I see spaces where people can sink in and go deep with one another to do life together I look at those little spots and I'm like man there's a small group right there there's another Friday night small group right there there's another one and they're there and they're praying and they're growing and they're learning. That's what that looks like to me. Maybe it's the youth group, maybe it's just Awana Circle saying their verses. Whatever it ends up being, it's that's where this next generation of church is gonna be done. I keep thinking about the woman with the alabaster flask of expensive perfume who before Jesus died, she came and she broke it over him and she anointed his body with it. This expensive, very expensive perfume that she just poured over him purely as an act of worship to Him. I keep thinking about how she was looked at as wasting her gift on Jesus by the other holy people, the other disciples in the room. But we all know that that's not how Jesus saw it. He saw it as an act of love and an act of worship to Him. I think about just pouring out a lavish gift to God, to His body, which is the church just pouring out a gift on Him just for the sake of beauty and just for the sake of worshiping Him. And I know that when somebody comes and tries out our church, they will see what God intended for us to be as a community of believers. And that's something exciting to get behind. What if it is the thing? What if it is the thing that brings somebody in? And that's the thing that can help them meet God for the first time. I mean, how special is that? I have to say we're really excited about this Welcome Project initiative. Would you please prayerfully consider how God might be calling you to give above and beyond your normal gifts to this endeavor? As you notice in your envelope that you've received in the top right hand corner, it gives the option to give an enclosed gift for today. We're asking everyone to give a one-time gift at the beginning of the project and then to also consider what they might be able to do above and beyond their normal gifts on a monthly level for 36 months as well. So if you take, for example, my gift enclosed today, let's say it's $1,000, and then I, in addition to that, I think I can give another $100 a month. When you added up the 36 months together, that'd be $3,600 plus the $1,000 of the initial gift. My total commitment to the Welcome Project would be $4,600. Now we know there's people who won't be able to give that, and then we know there's people who can give a lot more than that. And together, as we all sacrifice together, we're hoping to be able to find the Lord's favor and be able to move our church forward with this initiative. Please consider how God might be calling you and your family to be used in this endeavor and return this envelope to us anytime within the next four weeks. I'm Sam Stevenson, the K through three director. Um, and today as I was listening to the message and hearing about this exciting welcome project, I realized it's been exactly 10 years this month since my family first came through the door and was welcomed into Camp CC. So as I go home today and I continue to consider what my family 
can give through this exciting initiative. I want to just pray really specifically for those individuals and the families like mine were 10 years ago that are searching in our community for a church home and a church family. Uh, if you are a first, second, or third time guest with us today, stop by the welcome counter. We have some great gifts for you to thank you for joining us. If you're online, you can go to campcc.net slash next steps and just let us hear from you and what your needs are. Okay, a little something to mark on your calendar. November 16th, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. It's our next amazing worship night. Guys, we want this to be a family event. So we will have a children's praise party downstairs for our youngest friends. Upstairs, kindergarten through fifth grade is invited to our kids' praise glow party. We're going to turn down the lights and we're going to shine bright for Jesus with a neon dance party, some yummy snacks, and some glow-in-the-dark games. I cannot wait to see your families there. Let's head out to the patio now for donuts, coffee, and fellowship. See you next week.